0: And it's time for Peer Pressure. My guest this week is Albert Modrian, the editor-in-chief of Decibel Magazine. He's got a great set of music to play for you. And... uh, Getting near near year's end in 2011. Thanks to Lita Martinez... For editing the podcast, and thanks to Liz Berg for handling the other podcast duties. We are WFMU. Stay tuned.
1: Albert, are you there? I am indeed.
0: He is here. Yes, yes. Okay. Step one. Excellent. And thank you so much for being here.
1: Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: So Albert is uh, is an author and is the editor-in-chief of Decibel Magazine. Um, And uh, can you just sort of tell the listeners what a a day in the life of the editor-in-chief of Decibel Magazine is
1: like? It's like answering 200 emails at once.
0: At once? (laughs) <laughs> How does that happen?
1: Uh, with very little grace and a lot of spelling errors.
0: Meaning?
1: Well, you know, yeah, okay. you know, they can't all be perfect. Uh, you know, when you're when you're kind of responding to so many different people about so many different things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, you, you you have the tendency to not be uh, as grammatically correct often as you should be.
0: So it sounds like you're doing like a dance all day.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a day of uh, multitasking between um you know assigning editorial selling advertising sorting out marketing stuff curating our flexi series mm. um there's a, there's a lot that has to go into this you know the daily operation to keep it all running and,
0: and the great thing is is that it is still running yes. and uh, it's an awesome magazine and it the publication is still out there you know in in tactile form
1: yes print is um is not dead um, at least, not all of it.
0: There are some magazines that I mean, Decibel isn't in that list, but there are some magazines that people don't want um, to have subscriptions to, but they pick up at the newsstand every week. Right. C- certain magazines will never die, and uh, and I don't think that Decibel necessarily falls into that category. It 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 could be a guilty pleasure, but uh, you know, not not anything you might get in trouble for. Um, but um, so you said like selling ads and uh, curating the Flexi series and this and that. So I'm going to guess that selling ads is not your favorite part of, of your job. What would be one of the favorite parts of your job?
1: Honestly, getting to hear new music and assigning uh, features on bands that I believe deeply in and, and care about, taking it a step further and being able to release some of their music. Via the Flexi series, those would definitely be my favorite parts of the job. It's mm-hmm. just the the other stuff, um, unfortunately, is is really kind of time consuming and not not what I was trained in doing. But I I mean I don't know if I was actually trained in doing any of this, but you just kind of <laughs> you kind of have to pick it up as you go along. Right. Yeah. And when
0: you said assigning, don't don't you want to sometimes just keep all the assignments for yourself?
1: You know. <laughs> if uh if i didn't have all those uh, other duties that i that i listed earlier definitely mm-hmm. but the sad thing is i have so few opportunities to actually contribute writing to the magazine on a monthly basis it's uh it's kind of pathetic really um so i kind of have to hand all that stuff off
0: that hurts just,
1: it does but you know i get to i get to enjoy the records and it's always fun to hear what you know our staff thinks about the releases whether I like them or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so um, how long have you been the editor-in-chief over at Decibel?
1: Uh, since the start, which would have been uh, in the summer of 2004, so we're, uh, we're about to enter, I guess we're seven and a half years, going on eight years in now. That's, that is awesome.
0: And you have, I believe you've authored two books, is that right?
1: Um, I authored one book, and I kind of compiled and edited another. Um, The first book I released was uh, Choosing Death, The Improbable History of Death Metal and Mm Grindcore," which came out also in 2004 on Feral House. And as the uh, subtitle states, it is a history of uh, Death Metal and grindcore. And then a couple of years ago, I guess it was 2009, uh, we released Precious Metal, which is a compilation of the Hall of Fame articles from Decibel. And what those are is those are really, really in-depth pieces on the making of what we feel are the most important uh, heavy metal and extreme metal albums ever. So we took 25 of our favorite pieces from that monthly feature and kind of revised them and expanded them with some bonus stuff, and uh, that was released as a book via Decapo Press.
0: Okay, so that's uh, that's a uh, that's sort of a collective release and that's a Decibel release. Right. Got it. Oh, okay. And um out of those 25 bands, what were your sort of favorites that uh, cuz it sounds like it was a collective release, so I guess it wasn't entirely your list?
1: No, but um I mean, the thing is those are records that we pick every month like in the magazine. Those are all basically pillars of heavy metal and extreme metal. Mm-hmm. So to me, I love all of those records. Like we've done, I think it's 84 Hall of Fames at this point, and I think I probably own physical copies of at least 80 of those records. Mm. So it isn't it isn't like I go, "Oh, oh no, we get to we have to write about Repulsion or oh no, we have to write <laughs> about Carcass." You know, these oh, things, like there's so many great things to choose from that. Mm-hmm. If anything, it was really difficult to whittle it down to only include twenty five records in there,
0: right right well, and that leaves you open to do another you can make that a series
1: yeah no i'd I'd love to do another volume of it someday we certainly you know we have over sixty or so now that haven't made it into the book, so mm-hmm. you know there's plenty of material and and how are book sales nowadays you know I'm I'm probably sadly uh, I'm not the guy to ask. You'd have to, <laughs> okay. you'd have to speak with uh, the publishers, but um, since you know we're just in the magazine selling business, and I would imagine just based on what I see in reports from Amazon that a lot of digital copies of books are selling more. Like I, I've been mm. seeing some reports that you know *Choosing Death* and *Precious Metal* seem to be selling well on Kindle and things like that. So, but I can tell you that that people still do buy hard copy printed printed bound matter. I don't think it's going away. It's just more people are probably reading stuff overall now, just with the within the digital
3: age.
0: Mm. Well, and the I mean, the precious metal book does sound like it is one of those. You know, it's it's got the like you said, it's sort of like the the big pieces, the big bands. Um, it's like a great reference book. It right. would would be a perfect you know primer for some for some young person.
1: It would be a wonderful holiday gift for anyone listening.
0: Oh, there we go into the holiday gift thing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, just I would recommend *In Tombs*, *Left Hand Path*, and *Downs Nola*, and you know, whatever else to uh, to just to just start somebody's record collection.
1: Exactly. That it is a great primer. You can grab any one of those records, and it's going to it's either just going to be a fantastic album, or it's going to. Basically, lay the groundwork for some kind of movement or scene, or in most cases, both.
0: I just wanted to ask you um, because I saw that John Peel wrote the intro to your to the Choosing Death book. Yes. Um, how well did you know John Peel?
1: We had a number of conversations, and and I'd, I'd interviewed him uh, for the book at first. Before uh, I went back to him and asked him if he would consider writing the introduction, but you know he was. He was just an incredibly gracious guy with his time. I mean, it took me forever, honestly, to to get an interview with him when I was putting the book together, but that was just because uh, his manager was kind of slowing things down and always telling me that he was away or on holiday. And -hmm. I guess eventually she brought the request to him, and he just was like, hey, have him call me at home. One day I just rang up John Peel and talked to him for... An hour about death metal and grindcore, wow. and uh... and then when I as I was getting off the phone with him, he was like, you know, if you ever need anything else, don't hesitate to ring me. Just you know, don't call my, don't email or call my manager. Just ring me at this number. So you know, six months later, I called him and uh, asked him if he would consider doing it, and he immediately said, yeah, no problem. And wow. a few months later, after a lot of hounding, he. Uh, he turned it in and was just like, he was just amazing. He wouldn't accept any kind of compensation for it. I was like, you know, can I donate some money to a charity in your name or something like that? And he was like, no, I'm just happy to do this. Don't worry about it.
0: Wow. And I think that there is actually a charity in his name now. Yeah. Yeah. What a person, what a huge loss.
1: Yeah, he's he's irreplaceable, As you know, as you guys, anybody who's working in radio would know. I mean, that guy is just uh, a, a pillar of the community for independent music uh, over the airwaves. So it's, yeah, he, on, he definitely is irreplaceable.
0: Yeah, and on a really big, I mean, a huge platform.
1: Oh, yeah. You know. Not just, I mean, the whole of Europe in a lot of ways.
0: A couple of months ago, I had uh, Digby from Earache on as um, as my guest in, in this segment, nice. and uh, he was talking about, you know, like the first, I think the first 10 Earache bands, eight of them ended up on John Peel's show. Just completely, just broke, just broke grindcore wide open. And he, um, he also did, uh, he name checked your book also.
1: Oh, Digby, yeah. how oh, nice of him!
0: Oh, Digby, yay! <laughs> and and that book came out in two thousand and four. You said correct. I saw. I was looking online because so I put some photos up of the playlist, and I found. A, looks like a Spanish version of the book online. How many um, printings have there been? Like, what languages is the book out in?
1: Um, it's actually out in seven different foreign languages.
3: Nice!
1: Um, <laughs> it's in... Man, now I, I'm on the spot trying to remember all of them. Uh, there's, there's German, there's Finnish, wow. there's Italian, there's French, there's Spanish, there's Polish, and there's Argentinian. Wow.
0: Oh, ah, congratulations. That's that's really great. Oh, well, thanks. Mm. So um, so I have you here as a guest DJ, yes. and I want to sort of start getting into the music a little bit. It's been just, what, a couple days ago, it was uh, 10 years since uh, Chuck Schuldner passed
1: away. Indeed.
0: What would you like to say about this first track that we're going to hear?
1: That this is, honestly, this is probably my favorite death track. It's definitely from my favorite death record, Human. Um, and I thought, you know, there was no better way to... Kind of honor Chuck's memory, than kicking off a, a show with a classic from Death.
0: Very good. And uh, my guest is Albert Mudrian. He is the editor in chief of Decibel Magazine and an esteemed author as well. We're going to hear some uh, some music that he has programmed today. So, folks, please stay tuned. <laughs> a little bit of uh, Napalm Death there. Albert, are you there? Yes, I am. He is here. So let's talk about what we just heard.
1: Okay. You know, we heard Suicide Machine from Death from uh, 1991's Human. Definitely uh, a landmark for them in terms of it being um, a record where they kind of fully transitioned into uh, a much more technical outfit than just a really kind of uh, raw death metal band that uh, they are on their first three releases. And again, you know, like we said before, I, I definitely wanted to uh, play something as a tribute to Chuck Schuldiner, who passed away 10 years ago this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we heard uh, Liberteer, which I guess is technically the world premiere of uh, that song called I Am Spartacus, which will be on uh, uh debut album out on Relapse next month. And uh, that's a band that features uh, one dude, uh, Matt Widener, who is the bassist of Cretan, was also in Exhumed, was also in Citizen, and is also kind of a a part-time contributor to Decibel. He's actually written two Hall of Fame pieces for us, one on um, Repulsion's Horrified and the other on uh, Dismember's Like an ever Flowing Stream.
2: Oh, Uh, nice. Yeah, so
1: he's a he's a very interesting, talented character. He plays everything on that record.
0: Oh, so it is—it's a one-man band.
1: Yep, got it. And there are—it's it, it, a—I think it's—I can't remember how many tracks CDs plays. Like you know, it's a grindcore record, so there's probably about. 15 16 tracks but okay. there's like there's a horn section and stuff in it it's really yeah there is some
0: really interesting stuff within there yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's not a, uh, it's not it's not typical of uh of of most grindcore. and then the last thing we heard was uh, napalm death playing uh, performing a song called legacy was yesterday which is actually taken from the decibel flexi series that we run each month each uh, each subscriber to decibel gets a Free flexi disc inserted into the magazine, which features an unreleased track from, I guess, what you would call Decibel-approved artists. And um, that Napalm Death one is, is definitely one of my favorites. And since that issue is now long sold out, that's one of the few ways I guess people could get to hear it. So I just wanted to blast that out there because I think the track's fantastic, and and hopefully someday they'll they'll re-record it for something. But it's not going to be on their new album which is going to be out in February. So I guess we'll have to wait maybe another album or another EP or a compilation down the line to hear it again.
0: And that's, what a great track. How long has the uh, the Flexi series been going on for a decibel? Uh Well,
1: I guess it's a little over a year mm-hmm. um, since we're about to release the 14th Flexi into the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a little over a year or so now. I, I believe we kind of launched it in October or November of 2010.
0: And what was the, um, the concept, or I mean, obviously, to give, give listeners something special, but how did you arrive at deciding to do that, seeing where, you know, sort of vinyl and, and especially really flimsy vinyl is right <laughs> nowadays?
1: <laughs> well, honestly, you know, people always talk about having kind of added value with magazines, and a lot of times you see a lot of CD samplers. Which yeah. I just I'm not really a big fan of, especially kind of in the digital age when there's just so much, uh, so many tracks available for people to hear online immediately. Um, and they, to me, sampler CDs just seem really disposable. They're not there's there's nothing special about them. So I didn't want to include like a decibel sampler every month, uh, and I didn't want to include like patches or download cards or any of that stuff. So I always kind of had in the back of my head like I'd like to do something, but I could never figure out what it was. And uh, one day I was talking with Kevin Sharp from Brutal Truth. Mm-hmm who is also a decibel columnist, you know, he mentioned how cool it would be if we could we could do a flexi in Decibel one day. Very and, and I was like, you know, that would be amazing. But the thing was I had I had investigated it a couple years prior to that, in late two thousand seven when we were putting Pig Destroyer on the cover of Decibel for the first time. I was talking with them and uh, Scott Hole from Pig Destroyer also thought, hey, you know, it would be cool if we could do like a Pig Destroyer flexi in this when we're on the cover. I said, of course, yeah. So I looked into it, and I couldn't find anyone anywhere producing flexies. But, you know, it was a couple of years later when Kevin brought it up, and I looked into it, and I actually found somebody. And from there, we started talking, and, you know, I got some prices, and I was kind of able to work it out. And, you know, I reached back out to Kevin. I was like, hey, man, this is kind of your idea in a lot of ways. So does Brutal Truth have any tracks that, you know, they'd be willing to contribute? We can kick off the series with them. And fortunately, there was some stuff that I think was intended To be a split with somebody else at one point But they decided to to give them to us To put on there And, you know, from that moment on I just started kind of reaching out to bands That I was fans of Or that we were friends with And I was fans of And just trying to gauge interest And the bands uh, and the record labels Seem to be really into it for the most part And our subscribers are definitely into it Just because we've seen kind of a a huge Surge in subscriptions since the series started
0: Oh, that's great And what a stroke of luck That Brutal Truth was the... uh had something for you
2: i
1: know it's so perfect
0: i'm a flexi collector oh. and i guess you know and I've, I've seen them over the years and you know been in bands and whatever and there used to be a i guess a plant in florida that did them and i you know they may not be the, the the place around now and i know they turned down a flexi that i was involved with putting out because it had some bad words in it and they said no, we're not going to put it out, so it end up having to be a regular seven-inch. But uh, it's good to know that there are flexi manufacturers out there, and uh, yeah, and yeah but it, I mean it's a it's a delightful concept, well, really. You. Yeah, you know, I did want to ask you something else about the flexis, and I believe that that thought has just disappeared from my head. <laughs> well, you know. I don't have to ask that, <laughs> that question, I guess. Um, oh, and I did want to just mention that um, my guest is Albert Modrian. He is the editor-in-chief of Decibel Magazine as well as a, an author. The website is decibelmagazine.com,
2: Great.
0: Um, where I guess you could subscribe if you wanted to now that you know about the Flexi series. Exactly. And, uh, and is that limited or is that something that you guys are really just sort of behind and will, will do until the day you die?
1: Uh, yeah, we don't see any end to the series. We've yeah. got, you know, like I said, we've done 14 of them, and I've got uh, literally the next four already lined up. So, nice. and you know, we're in talks with some other artists about contributing some really cool stuff. So, I don't see a, I don't see an end in sight to the series.
0: Great. And so, what is, um, what's the next one?
1: Well, the next one is actually going to be the next track we hear. It's uh, a track from Autopsy. Uh, and this will be the, I guess, technically the world premiere of this track. It is uh, a re-recording of um, of their demo song "Mauled to Death," and this is a uh, they re-recorded it, and this is a a raw, unmastered version that's going to appear on the Flexi series. They're going to release a compilation, I think, in May or March. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and they're going to include this track on there, but it'll be a different version of this track. So this will be the only place that this particular version of this track is available in the Flexi series.
0: Oh, very nice. Hey, are all the Flexis black?
1: No, they are. Uh, there's blue, there's red, there's orange, there's green, yellow. We've got white ones, we've got clear ones. We try to mix it up, mm-hmm. uh, do different color printings on them to make it a little you know, engaging for the reader. You never really know what it's, what, what it's going to be until you flip through and there it is. So, what But colors? if you go to the, yeah. the site, there's a... Um, there's a flexi section where you can kind of go through the discography and see all the the releases that we've done.
0: And what color is the autopsy one going to be?
1: The autopsy is metallic purple printing on blue vinyl.
0: Oh! Oh! <laughs> it's a, <laughs> wow! A,
1: it's a pleasure to behold for the eyes and the ears.
0: And is that is that something that you get to control, personally? Uh. Yeah, yeah. Yay. I mean,
1: some of it is based on you know the what's available from the flexi printer, but they're pretty they're pretty into working with our strange requests for things. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and you do give them work every month. So we do, don't we? Yeah. Yes, we should, get, we should get better rates probably. I would think so. We'll all send emails to the the, the <laughs> flexi manufacturer and, and say that. But um, that's cool. That's a that's a cute little kind of like an art project thing that you get to like, and mix with the. Uh, now autopsy, I guess with the purple and blue, I think I probably <laughs> would have thought that there would be a little bit more like a bile color or a reddish. Like yeah, you know,
1: it's a shame. We, I would have liked to have had. I think green would have been good, but we had just we did a skeleton which flexi very recently that was green, so mm. I needed to kind of move it in another direction. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, and and the the blue and the purple sounds fabulous. Really. Yeah. Awesome. So cool. So we're gonna go to the autopsy track now, and uh, folks, if you didn't understand this is the uh this is the first airing of this track and it's not even out yet so uh thank you for giving you know the listeners here an exclusive it's really Ah,
1: super more than happy to
0: we'll be back in a little bit with albert mudrian and uh here's some autopsy stay tuned I'm not going to say it's one of those days i'm done with it being one of those days my guest is albert modrian hello sir howdy hi <laughs> please tell us what we just heard
1: uh what did we hear we just heard a uh, autopsy which is a re-recording of maul to death for the uh, decibel flexi series and then that was followed up by um, a new band called Valon fire and the track's called cathedrals of dread and that band is kind of a a a U.K. death metal and doom metal kind of super group. It's uh, uh, Greg McIntosh, the guitarist of Paradise Lost uh, on lead vocals, and um, Hamish from My Dying Bride, the guitarist on guitars, Adrian Erlandson, formerly of um, uh, At the Gate, and also of Paradise Lost on drums, Scoot from Doom on bass, and... um, a, uh, a relative unknown named Molly on rhythm guitars
0: hmm, lucky Molly
1: yeah Molly Molly was in the right place at the right time there for sure that's a an album called uh, man I can't even remember what the album is called uh, Fragile oh, King or Fragile King yep and uh, it's definitely one of my favorite albums of this past year just listening to it kind of non-stop as of late in fact so I just wanted to play a track from that
2: very
0: great well thank you for doing that sure your book from uh, 2004, what was the uh, the thought process in writing it?
1: Just that, you know, honestly, I felt that those genres of music, uh, death metal and grindcore, that were so important to me growing up, I uh, felt like no one ever really gave them their just due with, like, a real kind of history. I guess in some ways kind of like a, a journalistic validation of that stuff because, you know, I've been writing about this stuff for, since 1996, I would still, you know, I, I would contribute to kind of uh, mainstream publications and I would continue to read mainstream music publications, whether it was like Rolling Stone or Spin or, or whatever. And I would constantly see how this, you know, how death metal bands and or, or grindcore bands were just mislabeled or mistreated or completely dismissed as, you know, as a joke. And it kind of made me mad. Mm-hmm. So I, I really wanted to kind of to do something that was, you know, that basically brought all these people together where they could tell their story. And then, you know, again, as you mentioned earlier, having John Peel involved was like another kind of level of validation to this music that, you know, this is important, this meant something. So it was just, honestly, it was just done out of me being a fan of this stuff.
0: And it's great that the book is out there because it is, it's sort of, it's almost like, well, until there's a book written about a genre, it's it has no validation. It's like well,
1: I, I mean, I, you could, I guess you can make that argument, but I think it I think it only further kind of validates it, you know. Yeah. Although you know, there probably won't be like a book on deathcore anytime soon or anything like
0: that. No, well, unless you want to write it. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I mean, and all the crazy little subgenres and that kind of thing, but um, but that's really great that you took that on. And what was your when you say your background? Like, what did you really grow up listening to?
1: I mean, I, I grew up listening to a lot of. Uh, just, like, a lot of rock music, really. I heard Black Sabbath early on and and a lot of the big, like, kind of AR arena rock stuff like REO Speedwagon and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was a kid, when I was, like, you know, uh, eight, nine years old, Def Leppard was my favorite band in the world. Just worshipped them. Okay. So, you know, that kind of stuff led maybe a little bit more into things like uh, Iron Maiden and and then, you know, Metallica. But I always kind of had a... Growing up, I had a, I think, a pretty wide palette of stuff. I liked a lot of, you know, stuff. I guess that would have been classified as indie rock and pop too. And as I, you know, got jobs in the music industry, editing music magazines and stuff like that, I was exposed to a lot of that stuff too. So I had a pretty wide listening scope for a while. But basically, when you know, we re- when we launched Decibel in 2004, I'd, I haven't really had any time to listen to anything that hasn't been metal, honestly. So I've kind of just gotten further and further into my roots, you could say.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you were to, heaven forbid, relax, mm. like what would what would be something that you would listen to that wouldn't be in the metal genre? In
2: the, uh,
1: uh, probably um, like Radiohead, something
2: like that. Oh, okay.
1: An album like OK Computer. Or if I wanted something that's just like kind of pure kind of background that I don't have to focus on, maybe something like Kid A. But yeah. I, uh, I'm really out of the loop on kind of new rock and indie bands. I base anything that's out now. I I can only learn about it from either the Colbert Report or listening to NPR.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. That, that's not bad for sources. I guess. Yeah, yeah, very neat. So, was there a band that really sort of kicked you into listening to more extreme stuff? Like, like the band that made you pay attention?
1: You know, I don't know if there was like one band in particular, but there were um, there were this kind of collection of bands and, and, and records, I think, that you know I heard at a certain time that kind of pushed me forward. Records like uh, Sepultura, Beneath the Remains and Arise, Obituary, Cause of Death, Napalm Death, Harmony Corruption, Paradise Lost, Gothic, and Paradise Lost, Shades of God. Those kinds of records, I think, just kind of pushed me in certain directions, but there wasn't like one singular release that I heard and just thought I'm going to be all into this stuff from now on.
0: Right, right. But but then what? Like what was the transition between Def Leppard and you know Harmony Corruption or? Oh, uh, how do you get there? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess probably just like a very uh, a brief romance with Thrash. Probably mm. you know whether mm-hmm. it was a. Uh, I think everybody's bridge is Metallica. You right. know? I yeah. think records like you know Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. I think those are those are records that anybody. Who you know is my age i 'm thirty six and is into extreme metal of any kind? surely those records had some kind of impact at some period in your life and you know some slayer. Also, too, but basically, I didn't spend a ton of time listening to thrash. I, I I appreciate it more now. I think than I did when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. But I would say that you know, those are those are probably the bridges. Very good.
0: And Metallica was 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 large enough for a Def Leppard fan to find.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have to. You didn't have to be in a tape trading circuit to hear Master of Puppets.
0: Right. Yeah. No. That, definitely not. Oh, ah, very interesting. It's always great to hear what people's sort of progression is, and if you know if something really kind of broke, and and changed everything, or if it was really you know a, a s- smooth in terms of taste, because you know you're the man naming the 100 greatest metal albums of the decade, and you know that kind of thing. So.
1: Well, not just me, our right. uh, our vaunted staff.
0: Right. Well, but as editor in chief, so but then what you know do you get the final veto?
1: Oh yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: so, what is you? <laughs> <laughs> what style of uh, editorship would you say that you have?
1: I think that I'm fairly hands off. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I mean, I obviously re- uh, read and, and edit every single word that goes into the magazine, but I may like change a rating here and there.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, occasionally if somebody if somebody's maybe a little bit too excited about a record, you might knock it down from a uh, a nine to an eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just kind of making sure that uh somebody has the the right album title or the right number of LPs that they've released or that you know that this guy is the guitarist vocalist not the bassist vocalist those kinds of things oh, okay but i don't go in there and kind of change if somebody says a record stinks i don't go in there and say oh well you know this record's actually fantastic i i i'm, I'm pretty you know, hands-off in that respect.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you ever, um, I'm not sure if I've read, I know that I've read it in some magazines, where somebody gives, like, a, a particular record a really crappy review and then the editor will add something in the bottom because it's just so counter to what they they think?
1: We've been known to do that, but it's, it's usually the inverse, where somebody is giving something a really good review and we go in there and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but cause it's, it's more fun to do that than to, to try to it's e- It's easier to move somebody in that direction than move somebody in the other, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that might actually be what it is that I'm recalling. I just remember sort of seeing a lot of like editors' notes at the you know at the bottom of certain reviews.
1: Like, yeah, we try not to be too intrusive, but you know occasionally um, uh, myself and and our managing editor, Andrew Bonazelli, uh, sometimes we can't help ourselves. <laughs> can't bite our tongues. right.
0: Well, and have you ever just just decided to do your own review and have two right next to each other?
1: Um, like a count, a point-counterpoint kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, 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 <laughs> No, but, you know, it, it could be interesting. It might, it might be more fun to, one day, if there's a band that's getting a negative review, have the band review the reviewer right after the review, something like that. Mm. But, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't normally, uh, kind of go in that direction. Uh, we just kind of let the writers have their voice, and, and that is, you know, falls under the umbrella of the magazine's voice one way or another. Got it. All right. <laughs>
0: Well, that kind of uh, gives you gives gives the listeners a good idea of, of what goes on over there um, my guest is Albert Mudrian of uh, editor-in-chief of decibel magazine and uh, decibel magazines website is decibelmagazine.com. com. and uh, we were talking before about if you subscribe you are automatically uh, you get this the special editions with flexi discs um, and then you've you guys have been doing um, sort of like Shout out tributes I don't know if that's the right way to um to term it like Rorschach and you've sort of been bringing back older older bands to pay homage to
1: yeah yeah we've definitely done some covers in the series and there'll be a there'll be a few more in the near future too um and the Rorschach thing worked out wonderfully because we had a hall of fame on the making of their protestant record and Kralis had a a, a Rorschach cover that they were willing to contribute, so we kind of we're able to line those things up every once in a while.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, yeah, we like to, you know, we're, we're talking to, you know, some bands have re- re-recorded old stuff, as you just heard, with Autopsy. They've done covers. They've done, you know, brand-new material. We've done, you know, Agoraphobic Nosebleed just did a an 11-track Holiday Flexi.
2: Ooh!
1: Um, which holiday. is definitely extremely entertaining. If you read those lyrics, we would be unable to play that one on the air, I'm afraid. <laughs> you know, we're just trying to, trying to make it interesting and um, exciting each month for somebody who does make the investment in subscribing.
0: Yeah, that's neat. I just, I love that concept. And one of the listeners on the comments board says, well, now I might have to subscribe. <laughs> but, uh, and that, that's good for everybody. Nothing like having a collection of flexies. So um, did you want to introduce what we're going to go into next?
1: Yeah, we're going um, to go into some live stuff from some uh, classic records. Um, a fairly recent trend that I guess Decibel has helped proliferate with our Hall of Fame showcases is uh, some bands performing their classic albums live in their entirety. And uh, we're going to do one now from, uh, from Paradise Lost, who um, dovetails nicely out of the Fire track. Uh, but this is from their Draconian Times live 2011 live album. And it's uh, them performing all of 1995's Draconian Times uh, front to back its an entirety. I will say that it actually isn't the best Paradise Lost album. That would be Gothic, which we actually inducted in the Hall of Fame way back when,
2: uh-huh. uh,
1: when Decibel started. But this is definitely, this is the second best, and it's still pretty awesome. And then there'll be another uh, a live, a live track from another doom metal band, who is also inducted in the Hall of Fame, but you'll have to wait for that one to pop up.
0: Yes, who we got to see for the last time in the US in uh around Memorial Day.
1: Indeed. Mm. Hopefully everybody was there. It was uh I was front row and center. It was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I was I was mm, fifth row and to the left. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um so my guest is Albert Mudrian. He is the editor-in-chief of Decibel Magazine and has authored um choosing death as well. We're going to go to some Paradise Lost now. We are WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WFMU.org.
3: Okay, a song called Hello Land!
0: How's it going? <laughs> Quite well. And uh, we just heard a couple of live things that, uh, that you programmed.
1: We did. We heard uh, some live Paradise Lost uh, from their Draconian Times 2011 album and uh, Cathedral from their anniversary live album where they performed all of uh, their classic Forest Equilibrium debut in its entirety.
0: Mm-hmm. What was the first live show you ever went to?
1: reo speedwagon and survivor at the uh, spectrum in 1984 nice yes. gotta love that i was really sad when uh they played eye of the tiger and their original singer didn't come out for the encore to sing the song
0: and I oh. see the
1: other guy i, d- I didn't realize that that's how it worked i just thought they had two singers
0: Oh really Isn't that interesting Like the things That we assume As as children About like bands As eight year
1: olds We're not briefed On those things No
0: (laughs) And uh, one of our listeners Wants to know If you can uh, If you can get A Slayer Christmas
1: album Made (laughs) An entire Christmas album Why not Um, I can look into it Um, I would say That you might That we have a better shot At a a Christmas Slayer Flexi Ah
0: Yeah
1: But uh, a full album Might be might be a, a little difficult to put together well, if anybody On short can, notice, maybe next
0: year right, If anybody can do it, I think that you're the man mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks
0: And, God, we've been hearing such great stuff I think a few of the listeners Didn't realize that there was a live That Cathedral was a live uh, yeah. Release. yeah Moving right along mm-hmm. We have, tell us what you have next For us
1: uh, We've got a couple bands A couple newer bands that I wanted to get to, mm-hmm. uh, that are kind of thematically linked in my head. They're I don't want to call them occult metal since I think that's dumb, um, <laughs> but they um they definitely they have a lot of heavy metal influence. They have a lot of uh, a, a kind of like a little uh, overtly satanic vibe to them. You know I can't give too much away at the moment, but you know Decibel has uh, big plans for them in in 2012. Mm-hmm. They both have. Um, Records out on Metal Blade, and, and the first one we're going to hear is from the band In Solitude. But this won't be from their Metal Blade release. This is from their debut album that was out on High Roller, mm-hmm. um, and that was out a couple years ago. And, and most people haven't heard that record. and That record is equally fantastic as a, as their new album is. So I wanted to, to play that for people. And then the other is The Devil's Blood, and that is from their Record that's out now in Europe, but will be out in January on uh, on Metal Blade.
0: And is In Solitude from Sweden? In Solitude
1: are from Sweden, and The Devil's Blood are Dutch.
0: Mm. Did you see In Solitude at uh, Maryland Death Fest?
1: I did. I did indeed. Um, they were they were um, along with uh, Cathedral and um, and Ghost. They were uh, some of the stuff I was looking forward to most last year, and, and this year's lineup uh, for MDF proves to be even more impressive. Yeah. Can't wait for I, some of that. Yeah, stuff. I think Thursday
0: night is already sold out.
1: Yeah, I think its is. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and that was the first time I saw it, the only time I've seen it In Solitude, and I was trey impressed. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I, I've, I think that they've probably just gotten better since then, since they've, uh, they've done at least one U.S. tour since then.
0: Yeah, what a great band. Bringing the music to the listeners, Albert Mudrian. And uh, we're going to go into an uh, "In Solitude" track, and then right from there, we'll hear "The Devil's Blood." We'll be back, and thanks for programming the music. This is uh, quite wonderful.
1: No, it's been a blast for me too.
0: Okay, so hang on, and uh, next, folks, you'll be hearing "In Solitude." Stay tuned, please. <laughs> Trying to time that out exactly doesn't always work. He's laughing at me. Albert, are you there?
1: I feel your pain.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's okay. At FMU, those kinds of things happen. I think probably on this program a little bit more than others, but uh, it's okay. I don't mind being a standout. That was uh, The Devil's Blood. Yes. And uh, I know you introed it. you want to say anything else about that record?
1: Other than the fact that it's uh, a huge improvement on their last record, which I believe was called The Time of No Time Evermore, that last record was not very good at all. Um, however, this new one is, is fantastic.
2: Complete so, uh, turnaround.
1: They, yeah. Their their first EP is great. Their first album is kind of crappy, and their new album is great. So just a little hiccup in their career. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be over it.
0: We're looking for more things from the Devil's Blood in the, in the good music category. Exactly. Very cool. Great. Well, our, our time here is almost over. And, and for those of you who possibly have tuned in later, don't know what the hell we're talking about. Um, my guest for this last hour and a half has been Albert Mudrian. He is the um, editor in chief of uh, Decibel magazine and has also authored one book on his own. And, and collectively, you probably, have, you probably have your hand in more things. Do you have any other outside writing projects that you're working on?
1: Uh no. That's <laughs> um, a little relief yeah, th- th- in your at voice. The moment at the moment decibel is um it- keeps keeps me pretty occupied. Uh I mean there's some there's some things I have in my head that I'd like to do down the line, but right now is is not the time to start moving on them, I'm afraid.
0: Any big plans for twenty twelve?
1: Um with the magazine, yeah. The, a lot of big stuff. Uh we will be unveiling the first uh the first annual Decibel magazine tour in April, which we're extremely Ooh. excited about. Ooh. Which is gonna bring um a number of bands here that you don't uh see often. Um so we're uh We'll be announcing the lineup in January. So uh, until then, you can you can keep guessing. But um, I think everybody's going to be really psyched when it's um, when it's announced.
0: Oh, that's exciting! Yeah. Wow. So you know, and I, and I and I wanted to to just thank you before we go. And I'm just hearing more and more of what you've got a hand in. I mean, Decibel is obviously more than just a magazine. You're with with the flexies and now the tour and all that. It's really great and, that you're taking on producing more than just writing about music.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and and thank you. Um yeah, we, we do feel like that there's there's more that can be done to kind of promote this stuff and get it to people and there's so many interesting ways that you can do that with um, without kind of resorting to gimmicks or or cheesy stuff you can give people you know you can give people things that they actually want and that's that's the whole idea behind the magazine really
0: yeah and that and that's really apparent from uh, especially from talking to you today and I I am a fan of of the magazine and it's always worth you know worth the read worth worth the time and the money Um, and it's uh, yeah it's it's, uh, super creative and your dedication is really apparent Oh, and uh, and that comes across. And uh, so thanks for that contribution. Because, you know, I mean, magazines are disappearing. And especially in, you know, in an underground music sort of world, it's hard to know. Like everybody has their, you know, I talked talk to my friends. And so it's was like, oh, well, well, I read this. And I like this guy's writing. I don't like this guy's writing. And if this guy says it's bad, I know it's good. You know, <laughs> and, and everybody has their way of kind of... Taking in what every publication has to to put out there, and you guys are just putting out more and more great stuff, Thank so you. yeah, it's really inspiring so so thanks and uh you know thanks for doing the work for for being here today and i uh, and I have to just say I have to fess up that i I was late getting here today, and it was actually there was some detours and whatever and i <laughs> and I was planning on getting another track, and I had to to call Albert at the last minute and be like, "You have to send me that download i I don't have it, <laughs> you know so so oh. Almost not a ruined show. We would have found something else, but you know, but uh, but yeah. So so, what's the um, the last song that you're going to uh, present to the listeners?
1: Uh, the final track we're going to hear today is uh, "Black Hole of Summer" by Tombs, and it's taken from uh, "Path of Totality," which is Decibels' uh, album of the year for 2011.
3: Yay! Yeah. Awesome. So I thought
1: we'd uh, we'd kind of close up uh, the show and and honestly the year really with uh, with probably the, the biggest highlight for us.
0: That's great. That's really great. And it's great because, you know, they're from around here and they've played live on this program and they're hard workers and, uh, yeah, Tombs is just, you know, they're kind of like the the hometown team gets to cheer over here at, uh, at FMU for them. That's great. Yeah. So, um, so thank you again. Thank you for, for making the time and the effort for, you know, for today's show and just for what you do, you know, for a living day in and day out, answering those, that whirlwind of emails and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and making it all worth it for us because it really is.
1: No, nah, it's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So, and uh, the website is decibelmagazine.com. Check out uh, whatever they have going on there—the Hall of Fames and the flexies and the subscriptions—and and we'll look forward to uh, some more some great music and surprises in 2012. And happy New Year!
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Thank you. Going out uh, with Tombs, and this is Black Hole of Summer by Tombs. Stay tuned. And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.